Well, I do know the idea of service. I've done service since I was a child. Not out of obligation, but really out of loving. But at times, I'm sure all of us have found that we can do things out of loving, but at a particular point in time, it all of a sudden becomes obligation rather than anything else. And then the challenge is, what do we do with it? Do we just live in the obligation, or is there a way to transform it into something better? What I have found for myself early on, back when I was a child, (laughs) um, that it's important to ever keep in front of us the reason why we are doing what we're doing. And the only thing that I ever know that I am doing things for is my loving for God. And that's what's ever motivated me, that's what's ever moved me to, to be in action in the world. It started out when I was five years old and it's continued to this day. And when anything gets in the way of that devotion and that loving with God, I look seriously inside myself to find what it is that's going on inside of me that might be blocking the loving, that might be blocking that movement. And the one thing that I have found is that devotion is a key to ever staying present in the true and finding out what your devotion is, where your devotion is, is focused, is one way to begin to understand just what you are doing and why you are doing, what is moving you. Whatever made me begin to sit down every day and say my prayers at the age of five and do that daily, no matter what, and make that first before football or basketball or baseball games or whatever might be going on after school, and making that first, that was devotion. And even when I would find at times there were things that were going on that I really wanted to participate in, but not letting those things get in the way, it was devotion that made me go and sit down and do my prayer, my focus with God first. And so I have found that as I've moved on in my life and grown up, and begun to look at the spiritual journey that we're all on, I found that devotion and discipline and discipleship all go hand in hand. And that as we begin to walk this inner journey and begin to wake up to that movement of loving inside and follow that loving inside, that there is an element in that devotion that also requires discipline a discipline of staying focused, of staying focused as to the direction we really want to go and why we are doing what we're doing. And I remember time after time after time as I was growing up through my teens where there were so many things going on in the world that were ever calling upon me, well, come out and do this. Well, come away from there and do this. What are you focusing on that for? that I had to begin to understand that devotion and discipline go hand in hand. And I had to begin to understand that if I really do, truly wanted to be in that service and to be in that loving and to awaken and live in that devotion, that it also took an element of discipline on my part 
to ever put that devotion first. And as I did that, I found more and more my life got simple and easy as long as I kept staying focused in this flow, in this movement that ever allowed me to live into that freedom of spirit. And there were times where all of a sudden something was much more interesting outside, pulled me away from my action of prayer, of my action of devotion, of my action of being of service first to God and then to myself and then to others. And I lost that sense of discipline and I got distracted and went off. And then I would find that I would be disturbed. I'd be upset. I would get frustrated or I'd get angry or I would feel somewhat something going on inside of me that wasn't in harmony with the truth of who I am and that I, how I wanted to live. And I learned very quickly that I had just stepped out of that harmony, that movement, that flow of spirit, of loving, of devotion. And that stepping out of that flow took me into disturbance. And all I had to do was bring myself back into the flow once again to live once again that peace and that joy that I knew that existed in that devotional action that brought me into my prayers, that brought me into my inner service, that brought me into being of service to myself and of service to others. And so I learned that discipline really served me. And all I had to do was make a choice, and it was always a choice. A choice to go out there and do everything out there that they're doing, or a choice to be of service to myself. And for a while, it was pretty easy to just keep choosing back into that discipline, back into that discipline. But then there was this point in time where I began to judge myself. Well, I'm not participating in life. I'm not doing out there. I'm doing more inside. I'm doing more away from the world rather than involved in the world. But I found that the more I got involved in the world, the more I lived in separation. So... I continued choosing back into my discipline and into my devotion. Until one day, there was a stirring that changed things. And that was to now get up. Get up from my devotion. Get up from this inner discipline and this inner focus. And take that out into the world and begin to do it in the world as well. And to live that into the world. And that's what happened at the age of 18. It shifted. It moved. And now my devotion, my loving, my service was outside of myself physically and into the world physically to share, to assist, to be there for others, to do what I could do to assist people on their inner journey and their understanding of loving and devotion and caring and putting God first, and putting the self second, and then bringing this divine flow of loving into its proper perspective, and understanding discipline, and seeing that discipline and the disciple are one and the same. And then I realized how beautiful it was that I kept choosing into that action, 
into that flow, into that simplicity. And I could see how perfect it was that I did the inner work all those years, all those years, from the age of five to the age of 18, doing the best I could to ever choose God first, to choose that inner focus first, until finally it shifted. And that's important for us to realize. We may meditate every day. We may have inner experience every day. We may think that we're getting clarity and understanding and wisdom and insight and have so much to share with the world. But I would say this. It's really about waking up inside fully, knowing the truth of who you are fully before you go out into the inner, from the inner to the outer world to do service in the world. To be of service to others. Wake up first and do that for yourself. But I also found another side of this that we also have to keep in perspective because it's about balance. It's not about just one element. This, this world is polarity, and this polarity has many different qualities and substances and actions to it, both on the positive side and the negative side. And so we need to maintain that balance here. And as I was doing this inner devotion and inner work, I was also doing the outer as well. But it was, again, finding the balance. And that's what we're all ever having to do. We're ever having to find a way to take care of ourselves, spiritually, ourselves physically, and then those around us, our family, our friends, or whatever it might be. And it is a balancing act. And I'm sure many of you find yourself caught in that all the time. And I found for myself, at the age of five, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. And I found that all of a sudden the situations at home truly changed. And I wasn't just a little boy anymore and they were taking care of me, but I was having to begin to step up and, and do some things in the home and to be more responsible for myself and my actions and be more responsible in the house and assist. And it began to help me understand discipline in the world as well as discipline inside. And I began to see as I was growing up how important it was for me to understand how to balance the two and to ever keep them in focus. But I never made my mother and her illness first. I never made the outer focus of what I needed to be doing at the home and taking care of things there first. I always made God first. I always made my time with God first or as much as I could. And that served me very well too because then at the age of 18 when I was asked to go out into the world and began to share as we share today here, I always found that I had to put God first in order to be able to do that action. And whenever I made the action in the world first and primary and forgot about my meditation, 
my prayer, my inner focus, everything got out of balance. And I would get disturbed and pushed. And everything became an obligation and a demand. So in your life, find the simplicity, find the loving, whether it's through meditation or whatever it might be, because it's that action and that service to yourself and you nurturing and taking care of that within yourself that will allow you to truly be of true service, of caring, of loving with others. If we do things out of obligation, who really gets helped? I've done things out of obligation. I've done things out of have to. I've pushed myself to go and get this done, to do it with another person or a situation or whatever. And I found that when I do it out of obligation, I'm not really there for the right reason, with the right purpose, with the right devotion. And things don't really move in harmony. And the people that I'm there to be of service to really do not get why I'm there or where we're going. And things don't really unfold the way they could. But when I can shift my attitude inwardly and begin to realign to that devotion and that loving in this action of service, things take place in a different way. And the person or the people or the situation begins to transform. I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. It makes sense to me. Let's put it this way. Have you ever had to go do something and you go do it? And you're with this person or these people that you have to be with? And all the time you're angry and you're frustrated and you're wondering, what in the world? I mean, what a waste of time. What am I doing here? I don't want to do this. And then you walk away and you wonder, why don't you feel better? You're supposed to feel good because you're being of service to others. If you find that's going on, it might be better to pull back and just say, you know, I'm not doing this for right now because I'm not doing it for the right reason. And be honest with yourself and be honest with them. And say, I will come back when I get this aligned. And until then, I would ask you to maybe look elsewhere for the assistance you're looking for because I'm not really going to give you the true assistance you're looking for. I've done that myself. I found myself in situations where I feel so frustrated with myself because I'm just in obligation and not in devotion. That I've actually been honest, finally with myself and then with them, to change the action. And what did I find? The very next day, I was able to move into devotion and want to be of service to them again. And what did it shift? It shifted my place of where I'm looking from and where I'm looking to in this action of service. And it began to bridge me and the action of service in loving so that it could flow once again in harmony. And what was it that shifted? <coughs> I began to go back here to the seat of the soul and first see and know God that dwells here. 
And then once I was aware of that once again, that loving, that joy, that peace that is God that dwells here in each of us as soul, and looked from here to that place of service and see God dwelling there in them and serve from God here to God there, it changed it. I just took the devotion I had with the Lord that dwells within me and shared that loving devotion with the soul that is God in them. And it flows. <clears throat> and they respond and come back in a loving attitude, in a wanting to participate attitude. And it all is very different. <clears throat> so I would just invite you to look and see as Brian did, why do you meditate? And when you meditate, where is your focus? And when you go and do service in the world, and many of us are doing that, why are you being of service? <clears throat> and where does that service come from? And see if you can bring your loving into the service, into the joy, into the presence of the moment. It's worked for me, and I think it can work for you. But why be of service? Why be of service to others? It's a natural part of the soul's journey to care, to reach out, to want to help. I remember meeting this man. He was at a hospital. And they asked me to come <clears throat> and just sit with him. He had had a major surgery. And he didn't have any family. He was all alone in the world. Didn't seem to have any friends that he was willing to have called to come and talk to him and to assist him and maybe take him home and, and help him through the next few days of recovery. And so they asked me to come in and sit with him and talk with him. And we were sitting and talking and I was doing the talking mostly. He was just kind of sitting there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. And not really responding very well. And finally, I decided just to be quiet because he was being quiet. And as I was being quiet, he finally turned to me and he says, well, if you have nothing else to say, I guess you can leave. And I go, I know I don't have anything else to say right now, but I don't really want to leave. I'd just like to be here with you because I know you're hurting. I know this is a challenging time for you. And I just want you to know that somebody cares. Even if I say nothing, I'm, I'm here because I care. And so he didn't say anything for a while and I didn't say anything for a while. And he looked at me and he says, so you really care? Yeah, I, I, I believe that. Who called you to have you come in here? I don't know who you are. What are you doing here? And I go, I'm here because the hospital cares about you. They don't want you to go home alone. They don't want you to feel alone in this process of, of your recovery. And they asked if I would come in and be here for you. And he went, hmm. Didn't say a thing for a long time. And he turned to me and he said, so... The hospital called you because they care about me. Why do they care about me? They just care about me because I owe them money now. 
they want me to live. They want me to recover from this so I can go back to work and make a living so I can pay my debt to them. And I said, I don't think that's true. I think they care about you, those people that called, not because you owe them money, but because they want you to recover from your surgery. They want you to get better. And he said, if you can go out in the hall right now and bring one of those people in here, and I hear that from them, and you say nothing to them, but just ask them to come in here for a minute, and I'll ask them a question. Then we'll talk. So I went out, and I brought a nurse in, and it was pretty quick, so I don't think he felt like I had too long to, to talk to her. And I walked in, and, and I just said to him and to her, he'd like to know why I'm here. And she said, well, the head nurse on the floor called you this morning because you're on a list of people who care and want to come in and assist. And so we called you on the list to come in and just share with, with him, to be with him today, to assist him in whatever way you can. And he said, so it's not the business office that asked it's not my doctor that asked. Who, who, who decided this? And she said, well, we at the nurse's station find people that really are alone and we want to help them to feel that somebody cares. And he said, so you really care about me? And she said, well, I do. Why am I a nurse? I care about people. I want them to get better. I want to help them with their pain. And he looked at her and you said, he said, you really care about me? And she said, yes, I do. And he cares about you. And we all out there on the floor care about you, whether you believe it or not. And he says, I want to believe it, but how do I believe it when I have not found anybody who's ever cared about me in my life, including my mother? How do I believe you now? And he says, you've got to start believing somewhere, she said. You've got to start believing someone. Why don't you believe us? Why don't you trust us? Why don't you hear him? Give it a try. What do you have to lose? And he said, okay, go away. So we both started leaving the room. He says, no, 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 Jim, you come back here. And we sat, I sat down and he says, okay, I'll start with you. You better be true. I'm going to test you hard. Because I don't know how to do this. I don't trust you. And I don't trust anybody in the world. And I said, well, then let's start trusting yourself. And with that, it, the journey began. I knew him for the next 18 years till he died in a car accident. And he didn't just begin to trust himself. He began to trust me, and by trusting himself, I mean trusting his feelings. He began to allow himself to feel once again, and in that, he began to open. Within three years, he was doing what I was doing. He was going to the hospital and doing that with other people, caring, assisting in any way he could. He became one of the main heads of the volunteer group I think they were called the candy stripes and helping to organize volunteerism in that hospital 
And it all began with one nurse who cared about somebody calling out to help others. So it's a wonderful thing to get involved in service in the outer world. But do it for the right reason. If you go there for brownie points, just like if you go to church, so that you can say, well, God, I'm here today. Put me down with a gold star. No, it doesn't work that way. I wish it did. It's not quite that simple. Do it for you. Do it for the God that dwells in you. Do it for them, and do it for the God that dwells in them. And it will flow as loving. And when it begins to be obligation, evaluate, realign, and then take the next step. But don't do anything out of obligation, including your meditation, including coming here, or whatever it might be. All right. Well, we have a couple of things to share. So, just to give you a moment, we're switching gears here. Um, we're doing announcements at the end of class because there's always more people coming in through the meditation, and so that way more people can hear it. We figure at the end of class rather than before class. So. So here it comes. So starting Sunday, November 9th, which is two weeks away, we'll start our classes from 3 to 5. And there's notes up front just to take home to remind you. There's notes on the door in case you show up at 10.30 one day. So you'll remember and, and uh, come back. And there's flyers up front uh, that you can take with you to put on your refrigerator or whatever just as a reminder. It's so funny, two Saturdays ago, I got up and started the day, did my meditation, came out of meditation, went out and made coffee and, and had breakfast and went in and got cleaned up and dressed and everything and 9 o'clock came and Brian hadn't come upstairs yet from his meditation so I went downstairs and uh, kind of brought his attention focused and he wears visors because the sunlight gets bright in the room he meditates in, and so he lifted the visor and he goes, what? And I go, it's 9 o'clock, it's time to get up and get ready for class. And he goes, it's Saturday, what are you talking about? <laughs> so it's nice to have little reminders. I need to put a reminder, are you checking the day, what day it is before I go down and bother him in meditation? <laughs> I was all ready, but nobody was ready but me. Also on November 7th. So does that mean you want to do it on Saturdays instead of Sundays? Yeah, let's Sunday? do it on Saturdays and see what happens. <laughs> I'll do it at Saturday at, at, at 10, 30, and he'll do it on Sundays at 3. We'll see who shows up first. <laughs> November 7th, the first Friday of November, there'll be the movie night out at Tom and Laura's house, starting at 6 o'clock with a fresh bowl of Homemade soup, breads, and whatever else might just happen. <laughs> Lots to of cookies to dessert. Yeah. <laughs> At least there was last time. <laughs> and um, we'll also uh, then start the movie at 7.30, and this time it's going to be Gandhi, which is a very good movie. You want to talk about service? Go watch that movie. <laughs> and you'll also see that his service came from the right place. 
And he always stayed focused from that inner place to that action of, of giving to others. And then there's also a flyer in the back having to do with community night and, and all that's taking place here, which is the movie night uh, next, next uh, Friday. Coins for Kids will be Sunday, November 16th. So we'll be meeting out at uh, Target, and there's all the information, I believe, here at um, Palmer Lane and 35, starting at 9 o'clock in the morning, and we'll do our shopping and, uh, and then go on from there. And it's all on the flyer, so if you have any questions, you can always get the information here. And then also our Christmas potluck parties on Saturday, December 6th. Uh, just a correction to what Jim said. Oh, what? It's not November 16th, but Sunday, November 23rd. Oh, I'm sorry. Coins for, Coins for Kids, Sunday, November 23rd, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving's on the 27th. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we just asked if you can to turn in any donations or anything, if you would, by the 16th. That way we can tally it all up and know what we're going to work with um, for the following Sunday as far as what we can purchase, what we have to use to purchase gifts for the children in that way. So, and we, somebody's just asking if you had like other things like the stuffed toys or whatever that you wanted to. Sack of toys or whatever, if you wanted to make a donation or something like that. Like, I know Laura, you and Kelly had like hundreds of Beanie Babies a few years ago. Yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and take things like that. The things we're not taking is like a Goodwill drop-off, old clothes and shoes. We're not doing that type of a thing. Still take those to Goodwill or others. But things like stuffed toys that are still nice and good condition, whatever, that can truly be a nice gift for children. Yes, definitely, we'll take, we'll take gifts like that. So otherwise, we're just going to go buy brand new stuff for the kids. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, actually, the last couple of years, we haven't been doing any um, the wrapping afterwards. Um, part of it is because one of the organizations asked for the presents not to be wrapped. And um, I don't remember what... Yeah. Yeah. Also, they don't want, they want to be able to be sure that there's no toys that can invoke violence or things like yeah. that, like guns for little boys to play with or, yeah, the age appropriate and all, so. So just to but if you want to wrap stuff, we'll bring our gifts that we're going to give away and let you all wrap yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll serve however we can. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I think that takes it. care of it. So we'll see you next Sunday at uh, Same 10.30. Same time, 10.30. And uh, the next Sunday at 3. Yeah. <laughs>